On this week's Sportlight Podcast, we're going to talk about leading with passion and not just filling a seat. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. All right, everybody, we've got an interesting topic that we want to hop into. I want to start off right away. This is Dustin. I want to ask Shad. Usually Shad's the one asking the questions to our guests and to me, but I want to start off by asking Shad something that I know he feels really passionate about, and it's something that I feel passionate about. In fact, off air, before we started recording this episode, we've spent 30 minutes kind of going down this path and I finally just said, Chad, hit record. Let's just start talking about this. It's actually not what we planned on talking about. We planned on talking about something else, but I just want to talk about this for about 20 minutes, Chad, sort of a short episode. You and I, more and more as we engage in in working with youth and adults, not only just in the athletic field, but in other fields that we're in as volunteers and also in business and things, we, we have other people that we adults that we work with and manage and train and things. Um, tell me your thoughts on this because I, and Chad, you've known me for 25 or whatever years now. And I'll be really blunt as I tee it off for you. Convenient leadership and passive leadership. I'm sick of it. Like, I'm just, I'm tired of the, yes, I'm a leader and I do it if it's easy and I do it if it's convenient and I, I check off the box that, yes, I'm a leader, but it's it's as long as it doesn't require a whole lot of, you know, effort on my part or bruises or bleeding. Otherwise, I don't want it. We're in a, we're in a situation, parents and coaches, we see it, you see it. There's an epidemic of problems that are plaguing not only the kids, but us as adults, they are not going to get better by us just talking about the fact that there are problems. The awareness stuff, as great as it is, is not going to solve the problem. We need preventative measures taken. We have to be passionate about it. So I guess I'll tee it up that way, Shad. Passionate leadership. What's your thoughts? Yeah. So, well, thanks for the question, Dustin. And you know how passionate I am about this subject. Uh, you know, there was a time when I used to uh, train teachers and when I get a new teacher, they would come in and I would ask them a question. It was super interesting. I did this kind of as an experiment, but I said, I want you to think of a teacher, a coach, a mentor in your life that has made a huge difference in your life. And I would actually sit there and I would make them. And I invite people listening to this to think about it. And you think about it, Dustin, because we haven't talked about this portion. Think about someone who's really, really made a big difference in your life. Coach, mentor, teacher of any kind. Okay, Dustin, let me do this with you. And uh, do you have someone in your mind? I do. I have uh, Ty Detmer. Okay, so let me just ask you a couple of questions about Ty Detmer. Okay, what is it, when it comes down to it, what is it about Ty Detmer that has allowed him to make such a big impact on your life? I would say with Ty, it's humility. He's, he's, he's humility. He's humble. 
And he's, but he's also very passionate about what he believes in and he doesn't compromise that he, he, he doesn't, I mean, he, he's one of the most recognizable figures, at least in the state of Utah, where we live in the last, you know, 30 years. And if you are around him, you wouldn't know otherwise, you wouldn't know so, so much, you're right. He doesn't act anyways. He's, he's the same to everybody. <laughs> he doesn't talk about himself. He doesn't, you know, he, but when it comes time to the things he is passionate about, he doesn't compromise or sell out for anything other than just what's right. And I just, I've oftentimes asked myself, you know, how would, how would, there's, a, there's some others, but how would Ty handle this situation? And, and I, and I have others in my life that I ask that same to kind of guide myself. And he's one of those. Yeah. Awesome. So let me tell you, and I could ask you other questions here. These were the two, tell me if this resonates with Ty and those listening, I hope you have someone in your mind. They would always, in the course of the conversation, without me guiding it that direction or anything like that, they would mention, mention other attributes. But the two that they always mentioned was they were passionate about what they were doing, and they loved me. They cared about me. Yeah. And that was universal, Dustin. I'm talking yeah. hundreds of teachers and when I think back to the ones who really made an impact on my life, those two things were always present. They were passionate about whatever it was we were doing, the game, the, the subject. I mean, I had a chemistry teacher in, in high school. He won California Teacher of the Year one year, uh, Mr. Chaplot. Dude, that guy was convinced that if everyone just understood chemistry better, then there would be world peace, right? <laughs> like, like he just loved chemistry and he loved his students. Yeah. I remember one time just him playing a song. I, I forget what the song was, but afterwards, like he was tearful and he was just like, I just want all of you to know that you're loved. I, I just want all of you to know that I'm an adult in your life that... If you ever need anything, please don't do anything drastic or, yeah. or harm yourself. And I don't know the background of that. He must have had a student there at our high school. We had a high school of like 5,000 kids, you know, that he had had an experience. But he wanted all of us to know he loved us and he was an adult in our life that could help us. Like when I look at those people that I remember, those two things are present. And, and sometimes I feel like. When you take a post where you could persuade and where you could make a difference in a kid's life, if you can't take that post and be passionate about it and love those kids, man, let someone take the post who could be passionate about whatever it is, about the game, about the subject, yeah. about the, just the opportunity to be with youth. And, and love them and, and really care about them. And just too many people are kind of uh, just minding the store, yes. not trying to move the merchandise. Filling the seat. Yeah. Right? Filling the seat. Yeah. And those seats can have such a profound impact. But when they're filled with people, I have a saying that I say to you often, I probably mentioned it here, but are we serving others in a way that just clears our conscience? Or are we really trying to make a difference? Yeah, that's that's leadership 
Are we leading just to, just to say, I'm leading, I was asked to lead, I'm supposed to be a leader, I'm told I'm a leader, I'm in a leadership position, so I'm leading and I check the box, or am I really leading because I want to see somebody's life improve? And, and if that's the case, then you got to get in the weeds and, and sacrifice. And we, we are not in a position right now as a society where we can just casually take on leadership roles. As parents, we talk about this quite a bit when we speak at, at schools and when we speak to, to coaches and to parents. Parents, we cannot, we have to stop and everybody's got to look in the mirror. Everybody. The best parents who think that they've had kids have had no problems growing up. If that's you, you know, you're rare. I think we all have had something. We all have to look in the mirror and say, am I expecting other people to raise my son or daughter to be the types of people that I tell them they're capable of being as I, you know, what, what I see them becoming, who am I trusting to raise them? And am I doing the work or am I just hoping that other people raise them? It's not the school system's job. It's not the coach's job to teach your child all the principles and all the characteristics and and teach them all the lessons they're going to need to learn to be as successful and as happy as we want them to be when they're older. We are the parents. We, eyes up, not just to the kids, we as parents need to follow the eyes up, do the work creed of especially for athletes and get our eyes off of our phones, get our eyes off of our reality shows, off of our social media Look at our kids, be more engaged with our kids, be more optimistic with our kids, be more positive with them, talk with them, and be passionate about leading them. And not casually, And to your comment, checking the service box of, yeah, I went out and played catch with my son for a couple minutes a week. That's not enough. Like, you can't play catch every once in a while with your son and think that you're, I'm sorry, but you're not, as a dad, it takes more than that now. Our sons need ton more of our time because they are getting hit from every direction as soon as they walk out of our house. And if they have social media and they have phones on them, you can bet that they are getting hit from angles constantly. And if we just think that a couple minutes asking them how their day was at the dinner table or playing a little bit of catch in the backyard is enough, we're fooling ourselves. It's not. I, I agree with you. In fact, you know, the old, uh, Stephen R. Covey, where he talks about we need to make deposits into the bank. Yep. And I meant to say the old Stephen R. Covey quote, not the old Stephen R. Covey. (laughs) Well, there are two. So God rest his soul, right? He was made such an incredible contribution and was getting involved a little bit in our program before he had that tragic accident. Um, But uh, you make deposits in the bank knowing that at some point you're going to need to make a withdrawal. And the things you're talking about, those dedicated hours of intentional parenting with with young people, the the hours that that go beyond comfortable, where it really feels like a sacrifice as a parent. And I think what what I hear you saying is, parents, we need to take a step back from some of the non-important stuff that's filling our lives. And maybe replace that. And I'm talking to myself here. So this, I hope this doesn't sound preachy, right? Like I, I take a step back as we were having this conversation and say, am I donating some time 
delegating some time to some things that that really don't make a difference in my life or the life of my children or the life of other people. And we all need downtime, but have you heard those commercials, Dustin, for the 18 summers? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't those just like, boom, just like hit your heart when you realize I heard them like five years ago and I thought, holy cow, I have, I have four more summers with my kid before she leaves for college. And now she's completed her freshman year. When you get to where you and I are in life, for those who are young parents who are listening to this. Those yeah. who are our age, they can already relate to this. Holy cow, it feels like life's on a treadmill. Yeah. And, and your kid leaves for college and you think, that's it? Yeah. Like, I've parented that kid and I know you continue to parent them, but, but it's just, we could be more intentional about putting our time and energy toward our children during these precious times of their life because pretty soon, like, they're gone. You know, they're gone. Well, and I'm going to tie that into our first principle of our book and of our program, which is win the hour. Winning the hour is not something just like you can't win a game just showing up and going through the motions. We can't win the hour of the day just casually kind of going through the motions. So when we say to be intentional and we have to be passionate about leading, whether that's our kids or that's if you're a coach, it's your team or whatever. If it's not something that's planned, if it's not part of the 16 hours a day that, you know, that you're awake. Um, it, it's, we can't be surprised if we, if it doesn't happen, if we lose the hour, just like we wouldn't be surprised if we lost the game and if, if, you know, we weren't focused. So if we're talking about parenting, then we have to make time. The excuse, I don't have time. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. Uh, you know, people who know me, well, I hate that phrase. I don't have time. We have time. We make time for things that are important to us. We do. We compete against a bunch of things we have to get done every day. We and we have and we compete for the ones that are most important for us, and the other ones we put aside and we push off till another day. But the ones that are important to us, we we make happen. So it's just a matter of making some sacrifices. If if building our young people as a coach or building our young people as parents is really important to us, and we say, "Well, I don't have time," then you're never going to have time. If we want to use that card. It'll never get done. So mm -hmm. just because we will always find something else that's more comfortable to fill the timer, or, or maybe we even maybe important, not even comfortable, but we'll work, we'll work through it. We always could work, right? We could always make more time to work and make money or whatever until we decide, no, this is an important part of my life. This is a critical foundational stone to my building. Mm -hmm. I have to make time for it. I've got to have that time with my kid or with my wife or with my captains on my team or my sophomores or whatever, whoever it is, my spouse, right? Whatever. And so parents, coaches, it's, it's up to us. Our kids are, we're not, when we hear parents and coaches and everybody, and I've done it, I've been in coaching for a lot of years. Kids are different now. It's different coaching them. Recruiting them is different. I've talked to college coaches all over the country about recruiting kids nowadays versus 20 years ago. It's all different, but they were not born different. These kids were not born, whether we want to, whatever generation, this, what are we, what are we now? X, X generation or whatever we are now. Maybe that was the, I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. We call them the I generation, the internet and iPhone generation, but the millennials, everybody, they weren't, we've raised them this way. Parents, we've raised them and we didn't have a 
playbook on how to raise them. We're all trying to figure this thing out. We'll look back at how it, what we've done now as parents in 20 years from now, and our kids will raise their kids better because they know. I was talking to a lady just this morning about this. She said her son, who's looking at getting married, talked about how when he has kids, how he's going to keep them off of social media. And how he just can't believe, he couldn't believe that he got on it at such a young age and what it did to him. Well, because he now that he's had that experience, he's going to parent better. But we didn't have that experience, our generation. So we're trying to figure it out. And we're learning trial and error. And we're, you know, we're, we're failing in some areas. But we're going to hand a playbook to the next group of parents that, hey, be careful with this, this, and this. We dropped the ball on it. And then hopefully the next generation of, of parents are better in this current situation of social media and the internet and all this stuff that's that's hurting a lot of our kids. But that's not an excuse to just say, oh, well, I've, the ship's passed. I can't do anything about it anymore, right? It is what it is. If we are not intentional in addressing these things, if our kids are on social media or video gaming for hours and hours a day, okay, coaches and parents, we cannot expect them to be successful as athletes we can't expect them to, that they're going to be training themselves to be as successful as they could be as leaders, as business people someday, as, as moms and dads and parents. I'm not saying don't play games or not, you know, that social media is the worst thing in the world. But if we have kids and players on our team that are spending three, four, five, six hours a day this summer doing those things, okay, that's not the school's fault. If that kid comes back to school and does hasn't created good habits, study habits, and he struggles with getting an A, it's mm-hmm. not the coach's fault. If he comes back to the basketball team this fall and he can't shoot as well or jump as high as run or fast, run as fast, he was wasting time or she was wasting time all summer doing things that we as parents let them do because it might have been easy for us to just let them go down in the basement and do whatever, sit on the couch and do whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's on us. We have to parent more. We have to be intentional. I love that, Dustin. And I, there's a saying that, that I like to say there, there are certain things in life that if you're too busy to do, you're too busy. Yeah. And I would say intentional parenting. If right now, and we all have these moments in our life, you know, if life becomes so busy that it's been a while since we were able to play catch since we were able to sit down, take a, a daughter on a date and just talk about life and, and talk about how things are going and, and things like that. If, if life is too busy to do those things, that's not an excuse. That should be a realization. Life's okay. too busy. Yep. And, and we need to do some weeding <laughs> yep. and we need to take some things out of our life so that we could fit those most important things in our life. And, and then going to the social media thing, one of my great parent mentors, you know, when we're young parents, sometimes we look up to, to yeah. parents who are kind of that next stage, right? And Edie Swan was her name. And she said, Shad, just remember this phrase when your kids get teenagers. Remember this phrase, it will help your mental health, she said. <laughs> She said, learn to say to your kids, I love you enough to let you hate me for a little while. Yeah, I love that. And there are limits. One of our mentors in life, I'm sure yours too, Jeffrey Holland, once said, 
Second, only to our love, our children need our limits. Yeah. And, and we're living in a society where those limits sometimes are, are being eliminated. Yeah, we're moving, we're moving the, we're moving the goalposts. We're moving the first down marker. We're moving the base. We're making it easier. And, and, and I love no expectation. Yeah. Right. And, and there are certain things, Dustin, like, for example, being in positions that I've been in, I will tell you right now, if you are a parent and your child has a cell phone and you allow them to take it to their room at night, yeah, it's leading to sleep deprivation. It's leading to sometimes pornographic material being consumed. Yeah. It's leading to uh, some of the social uh, mental ills that come from, from social media and viewing life through social media, through endless hours of scrolling and watching people's best moments of life. Yep. This is an area where our kids, and I love the word limits. We aren't even talking about about eliminating, you know, we're talking about limiting yeah. those things. And, and of course, kids push back against those boundaries, just like they, if, if we would have let our kids choose their diet when they were little, they would have lived on Smarties and, yeah. and pixie sticks. Right. But we knew it was best for them. What was best for them. And, yep. um, and so sometimes I, I look and I think, okay, Set. I just love that quote. Yeah. Those two quotes. Second, only to yeah. our love, they need our limits, and we need to love them enough to let them hate us every now and then for a little while. I, I wonder, Shad, and and maybe I'm wrong on this. I'll. I haven't never asked you this question. My guess is that I don't, I don't know how many parents you know are listening to this, but I'd be curious to know the statistic. How many of our parents? So I'm talking about we're in our mid 40s. So. If you're if you were if you were a, a, a teenager before you know the internet, I guess, or before even maybe smartphones. So you know, 2007 iPhone before that. How many of our parents were okay with us having a TV with cable TV and a Nintendo or a PlayStation in our bedrooms? Able to play on it at night and watch with pay-per-view where you could watch for yeah. free. Yeah. Pornographic material. Access to any show we wanted. Yep. And any video game we wanted on Nintendo, right? Which was our our uh, our Xbox, bum, I bum, guess. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. My guess is the answer to that would be a big <laughs> heck no, right? Like, yeah. no, yeah. I know my parents. There was no way I was having a TV with five stations on it in my bedroom. And because I would have watched it, I would have been on, I wouldn't have gotten as much sleep. Had I had access to cable and had access to pay-per-view or had, it's probably likely I would have stumbled or searched for something I shouldn't have. Like I would have just, I would have been, would have been times that I did something I shouldn't have done. And if I'd had video game access, I would have been playing all night long. Right. Well, what's different than having our kids, if they have their cell phone in their rooms, they have gaming, they have every types of entertainment they want to find on online because they have access to the internet. And then we wonder why 
you know, there might be because it's easy for us to give them their phone. And usually it's because, well, that's my alarm clock. I need to have it because that's my alarm clock or whatever the excuse is. Right? right. So it's a harder discussion for us to say, well, too bad. I'll buy you the alarm clock and you got to turn it off or that's the limit. Right. Our job is sometimes as was, is that quote that, that, you know, that colleague or that mentor of yours gave us, sometimes they're going to hate us, but we've got to be adult enough and mature enough to know that it's not always our job to be their best, best buddy, you know, and, and, and I'm speaking from person, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, you and I are preaching yeah. to each other here. I need to do better at that. But as coaches, I think it's the same thing too, you know, that we have to have our limits as coaches and our kids have to know that there's certain limits that there there's, this is a non-negotiable thing. You can't, you can't cross this line. And, uh, but we have to be passionate about it and it has to be intentional and it has to be a, a man, like you said earlier, don't just fill the seat. We, we need people. If you're driving a bus of the leadership bus or the, you know, the, the change in life bus, if you're in a position to drive that bus with people willing to get on with you and have you drive them, you can't casually just go through the I mean, you got to have focus and be engaged. And it's a, it's an obstacle course out there that you're driving in. And, you know, you, we have to be more engaged. Yeah. You know, and the word that we love, it comes up in every episode, I think is intentional, right? Like there's, there's nothing in life. I don't think that people are more passionate about than their own children. Yeah. In fact, sometimes it leads to <laughs> the way parents act at a, at a yeah. baseball or football game yeah. or whatever. Right. But, but sometimes we just kind of, unless we're intentional going back to that, that Justin Sua quote that we've both loved, you either live a life by design or by default, and uh, you need to live life on purpose with purpose. And so maybe you and I, what I'm feeling after we've had this conversation and we've been going for a while now here, but I, it's good for each of us to take a step back and in the places where we have the opportunity to persuade people yeah. to do good to, to do things that will lead to a good life. We need to maybe do some weeding in our life and take some things out of our life so that those places, those seats we choose to sit in, we have time to put the passion and energy forward to really make a difference. And for me, I'm grateful for those coaches, mentors, and especially my parents like you, who, you know, I had a dad who never really got to play sports growing up. Yeah. He worked on a farm and his family needed him and he would actually make the teams just to prove to his peers that he could do it. And, uh, but then he would usually have to not play and work on the farm to help his family. And I had a dad who learned baseball. I had a dad who learned basketball. I remember watching him study these things. And he became this incredible coach in, in my hometown of Palmdale, California. I'm grateful that I had a mom and a dad that were passionate about me and about the things I was passionate about. They became passionate about whatever us boys were passionate in. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for those people in my life that not only filled those seats, but were passionate about me. Yeah. But I do look back and realize there were some people 
teachers that were just filling seats, collecting a paycheck, right? And then there was others who really wanted to change kids' lives. And I still remember their names. Yeah, I could still rattle off those people's names. I forgot most of my high school teachers, but I could tell you the ones that cared about me. Yeah, and uh, anyway, so that this is such an important topic. Maybe that's the takeaway from it, Shad, is that if if you're a coach or a parent uh, leading, is that we should probably go and find out who those people are that are following us then as we're the leader and, and make sure we know what they're doing, what they're up to. Is it the right thing? And uh, you know, do they need some, some course correction in their life and can we help do it? And, and that might be having to have the hard conversation, but you know, true compassion is having enough love for a person to, to get involved and to help and to provide some sort of, you know, relief in their life. And that's what true leadership is too. It's, you know, it's leading with a goal in mind, not just casually walking around and people are following you and you don't know where you end up. You got to have your eyes set on where you're going and go there and you have to have some passion because there's going to be bumps and over a mountain, right? There's another mountain, the old Turkish proverb that over one mountain, there are more mountains. So you got to keep, keep fighting. So let's end on that, Shad. You know, everybody, please follow us on all of our social media. We have Instagram and, and Twitter and Facebook and TikTok. Please like and share these these episodes. Share it with family and friends and teammates and people, uh, groups that you're a part of. If you think it's helpful and you like it and you think there's some value to them, please help us grow it. Please rate it. And uh, check us out on our website, e4a.org. We'd love to come and speak to your team or your business or your, you know, your school. If that's something we can do, please reach out to us that way and we can, we can organize, you know, something there. So eyes up, do the work. This has been the Sportlight Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforalfies.org slash book.